I've run global businesses, so how hard can it be to just write a book? I still don't really understand how I do it. Okay, well, um, I guess I'll start. My name is Shaz Khan. That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. And what I actually have found through this whole process is that writing is, is probably the most difficult job I've done. Not only can you, but you should start late. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Best Seller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Chapter 2, Acquiring an Editor. Even if you aren't a film student, you've probably heard of the auteur theory. Originating in the French film criticism of the early 20th century, it posits that artists who exert creative control over all aspects of a film are essentially better than those working within the collaborative studio system. Auteur is also quite literally the French word for author, so the subtext is that these auteurs are essentially just directors who treat movie making the same as writing a book. Last episode, we covered this process of writing a book, which, as the origin of the auteur theory makes very clear, is typically seen as a solitary process. But the quintessential image of the great American novelist locked away in a secluded study in the wilderness, hunched over a moleskin notebook, thoughts flowing beautifully into natural prose, that might be a little bit outdated. I would usually wake up early, I would say like maybe, you know, 5.45, 6 a.m. I try to write for about an hour before my um, daughters got up. Remember Shaz Kong, former sportswear CEO, self-published debut author, and the subject of this podcast? Her writing process was perhaps not quite that romantic. So I just go to a hotel lobby, I work for a couple of hours, and then pack everything up and go to my next meeting. Notwithstanding a year of multitasking between writing, work, and taking care of her twin daughters, though, the actual process of writing her first draft was, for Shaz, overall pretty solitary. She took the opportunity to identify, arrange, and process thousands of little events and stray observations from her life into characters, conflict, and a story that became her debut novel, The Closer. So my story is called The Closer, and it's about the first female CEO of a sports company and this, you know, this uh, secret society of women who help her called The Ceiling Smashers. However, as counterintuitive as it may sound, writing is not the only thing that goes into writing a book. The book took me about a month or so to plan and then um, an outline and then about another 10 months to actually write. Um, so I should just mention that the editing process took a lot longer. It actually took me two years of elapsed time. And it's honestly kind of funny that film students who spend so much time hunched over a single reel of film, editing it, chopping frame after frame onto the literal cutting room floor, would develop a theory positing that a creative process is better off without the collaboration that editing brings to the table. Because they rarely ever are. 
there's not a lot written about the history of editing. We all learn about the first written words in cuneiform, or the first written stories like the Epic of Gilgamesh, but we know very little about who edited them. I mean, that's obvious, we barely know anything about who wrote them, but that also speaks to the nature of editing itself. On the one hand, it means editing has probably been around as long as writing. At the very least, we know Shakespeare had editors. The King's Men who compiled the first folio, the bookkeeper who prepped it for printing, and whoever added that weird scene with Hecate and the witches in Macbeth. And I, the mistress of your charms, the close contriver of all harms, was never called to bear my part or show the glory of our art. And though the original stories in Gilgamesh date back to around 2100 BC, the standard version of the epic as we know it was compiled a thousand years later. But on the other hand, this lack of well-preserved knowledge tells us everything we need to know about editing. I mean, who do you know more about? William Shakespeare or Henry Condell and Edward Knight, aka Shakespeare's editors? By and large, editing is a process as old as writing, utterly integral to writing, and yet one that happens almost entirely behind the scenes of writing. In my business career, I was always praised for my writing skills and editing skills, so when I finished my manuscript, I did what I thought was a very thorough check of grammar and spelling, and I was quite surprised at how much, um, how many changes were recommended when I got the, the marked up manuscript back. Going into her first novel, Shaz didn't know much more about the editing process than the rest of us, which is to say she pretty much knew she'd, at some point, need an editor. I finished my, my draft manuscript and I thought, okay, I, I need to find an editor. For the luckiest writers out there, finding an editor is actually pretty easy. Most publishing houses employ acquisitions or acquiring editors to find promising manuscripts that they, in fact, want to edit, as opposed to the unsolicited ones sent to publishers a dozen a day. But for the other 99.9% .9 of us, and certainly for every writer pursuing the self-publishing route, Acquiring an editor is a process in and of itself, and it's one that starts with your first draft. Uh, at the end of your writing process, you had um, finished your draft of your novel. What was it that made you decide that uh, the first draft was finished and that it was time to move on to editing? Uh, I felt like I had incorporated all of the elements into the story that I wanted to, and when I got to the point where I was happy with the story arc, I felt like my manuscript was, my draft was completed. And I was also at about 186,000 words, which was quite long. So, because uh, you know, the average novel ranges from 60,000 to 100,000 words. So um, I felt like I probably shouldn't add any more words. How many pages would that have come out to? Probably 800. How many? Probably 800. Knowing what she knows now, Shaz admits that this might have been a bit excessive. For a first time out, it was probably too long. But nevertheless, with her 800-page first draft in tow, Shaz moved on to the second step of the editing process. For self-published authors, and honestly even those hoping to eventually sell their manuscript to a trade publisher, this means finding a freelance editor to turn your first draft into, well, a second draft. 
or a third or a fourth or a hundredth. So my story was, I finished my, my draft manuscript and I thought, okay, I, I need to find an editor. So I attended the San Francisco Writers Conference and I met a woman and she said, oh, I'll recommend this editor to you. And she, she edits um, fiction books. But the first step isn't just finding an editor, it's finding one who's a good fit. So what would you suggest to like writers when they are looking for the right editor? What is kind of like the criteria there? I think the most important thing I would impress upon other first-time authors is that what you need to look for in an editor is somebody who's also a really good teacher and a good coach. Um, somebody who's going to give you specifics on how you can fix the, the issues in your manuscript. Then, without a publishing house behind you, you need to negotiate terms and a contract. I've also negotiated a lot of contracts uh, in my business career, so um, it's it's something I like to do, and it wasn't it wasn't very difficult for me. But um, there's so much information available on the internet, so you can look up what's the average you know cost per word. Usually, people charge per word, so because my manuscript was so long, it was kind of expensive to edit. And um, you can just you know say, hey, I read that this is about the cost, and you know, this is kind of my budget, so, you know, can you work with me? And, and you know, it, it was pretty straightforward. At that point, if all goes well, you can dive into your collaboration in earnest. But the tricky thing about self-publishing is, well, in the name. you got to do it all by yourself. And sometimes, especially if it's your first try, that means making mistakes. I should have sent her one chapter first and said, you know, can you do a test edit? But uh, I said, why don't I just send you the first half? Wait. How many pages would that have come out to? Probably 800. Pro tip. When hiring a freelance editor that you've never worked with before, sending her 400 pages of your life story transcribed into writing might not be the best idea. But that's precisely because so much of editing happens behind the scenes, on the editor's laptop outside of the writer's control. And that makes finding an editor that's a good fit for your work so much more important because a lot of editing is subjective. I mean, what makes writing good? There's the obvious, blatant spelling and grammatical mistakes, inconsistencies in layout and style, but for that you have a proofreader the last line of defense before a novel goes to publication. You know, I, I don't know how many hundreds of times I read my book, and I was like, that thing is perfect. And I was, I couldn't believe there were still some errors. There's still probably about a dozen errors. And then there are the little things that differentiate a completed manuscript from a professional-level book. Repetition, correct word usage, unintentional shifts in point of view or tense, and the like. That is the job of a copy editor usually hired second in the editing process. I then actually used a copy editor that was also from the Reedsy Network, and she did a really excellent and thorough job. Um, she found a lot of, uh, I mean, she actually did find quite a few things that needed to be corrected, and she also found some continuity errors. So, for example, in one scene, I said, you know, this character was looking forward to the weekend when she would be, you know, able to talk to this person. And then, you know, a few chapters later, I said, you know, they had spoken on a, you know, Thursday or something. But before all that, you probably need a developmental edit. Usually an author's first stab at their manuscript, especially when it's their first stab at writing in general, won't be ready to go directly to a copy editor or a proofreader. 
you need someone to look at the big picture issues in your draft to help you turn a collection of ideas and characters and dialogue and plot into a cohesive, compelling story. That is where the developmental editor comes in, and where the subjectivity of editing comes in as well. Their job really is quite simple, to make a story better. This often means clarifying main characters' motivations, or determining whether certain scenes add to a story, or identifying an underlying theme and bringing it to the surface, but if all of that sounds pretty abstract to you, that's because it is. No two developmental editors do their job in the same way. And in fact, the only consistency to the job is this. After sending them your draft, they'll return to you with an editorial report addressing your overarching errors. She provided a review covering character, POV, plot, structure, um, pacing, setting, dialogue, descriptions, voice, mechanics, and then um, additional notes. And an annotated copy of the manuscript with tireless notes in the margin. And um, then she also gave me the edited uh, manuscript. So to bring it back to Shaz's story, that is the importance of finding a developmental editor that's a good fit. When you send out 400 pages of a manuscript to the wrong person, that annotated copy might come back a lot lighter. She highlighted the first two chapters of my manuscript and just in the, in the you know, notes section just wrote delete. And that editorial report might simply have one comment. So this, this editor said to me, I don't like books about business people, and I don't really care for books where there's a strong female character. Yeah, so, that last part was probably never going to fly with Shaz Kong. If you've listened to her previous episodes, you'll remember that after leaving her position as a chief executive in the male-dominated sportswear industry, Shaz had one big thing in mind when it came to writing a book. She wanted to portray Vivian Lee, the first female president of an athletics company and the protagonist of The Closer, in the same way that most male protagonists are depicted, and that few women are, which is to say she wanted... A strong female character. And therein lies the trick with editing, a process as essential to realizing an author's vision as it is entirely removed from the author's hands. Because despite the roots of its name, the auteur theory doesn't really apply to authoring a novel. Writing a book is as collaborative as any other creative process. The author does not get to exert complete control over every aspect of their story. They must send it off to an editor, and then another, and then another, and as we'll get to in future episodes, they'll eventually send it to a publisher, designer, maybe even a publicist too. So the trick isn't in finding an editor that you can tell exactly what to do, that you can force your vision onto. It's in finding an editor that sees your vision too. It ended up being just a colossal waste of time and money for me. So I actually stopped the editing process with her and, you know, I was like, it's pretty clear that this material isn't resonating with you and, you know, I'm not finding the editing feedback helpful. Shaz unfortunately did not find that editor on her first try. Most debut authors, especially when left to their own devices, are unlikely to. But fortunately, rest assured, that editor is out there. So, I mean, I was actually lucky in the end because I found a fantastic editor and um, she was particularly great for a first-time author. I 
learned a ton about the craft of writing from her. And once you find the right person to collaborate with, the so-called solitary process of writing a book gets that much easier. So, I mean, I felt that she really wanted me to succeed as a writer, and that was a critical component. So what really makes an editor a good fit for your book? Well, maybe, as Shaz says, it's their ability to help you along the way. She would rewrite a scene, like she would take a scene that she thought could be written um, differently or in a stronger way, and she would rewrite it. And then she would say, you know, she'd, so I'd have my original scene, and then I'd read what she wrote, and I was like, wow, that's far superior. <laughs> and so she would say, okay, so here are the lessons in the rewrite. Or perhaps it's their candidness in pointing out your mistakes. But uh, I made a, a classic mistake that most first-time authors make, and that was too much backstory. Um, so my first chapter was actually over 100 pages, and much of it was backstory. And, um, and even this editor was like, you've got you've to cut the, the, <laughs> all the stuff out of the first chapter. It's just way too much. And she said, this is something that you see many, many times with first-time authors. They feel like they have to give, you know, give the whole history of the character and what they're thinking. And they said, you've got to, in the first 50 pages, you have to introduce the character, um, establish what's normal for them, uh, show their kind of interior monologue. So what is it they're dreaming to do? And then have an inciting incident happen. So I had a first chapter that was over 100 pages. I didn't have the inciting incident happen until chapter three. And after going through the editing process, I cut my first chapter down to 15 pages and the inciting incident happens on the last page of the first chapter. Or maybe all that matters is the ease with which you and your editor communicate. We did a lot by email, but I, I would send her, you know, uh, portions of the manuscript or the manuscript, you know, half the manuscript, and then I'd rewrite and send her some portions and then she would say, yeah, you're on, you're on the right track, that looks great. Um, I use this this approach in business, which um, is what I call B's before C's. It means benefits before concerns. So when you're you know when you're leading a team or you're giving feedback to people, you always say hey, you know here's here's some things that you're doing really well that you know I really like, and here's some areas where we can see some improvement, and let's work together on those. So uh, so my editor actually has a, had a very similar process. So she started off saying you know she loved the character, she thought it was a fabulous story, and she said it was an amazing effort for a first time novel. And then she gave me like the many, many things that I needed to fix. So, so it was, you know, it was balanced. I mean, probably a little bit imbalanced because there were many, many things I had to fix. <laughs> or your editing process's success could simply be measured in the sheer number of takeaways you gain from it. She kept saying, show, don't tell. So I was being very descriptive about things instead of just showing uh, the action happening. Um, I added more conflict in the story. I, I put things in chronological orders. Um, and then, you know, I also learned about how to use um, different points of view, um, how to kind of spruce up dialogue, uh, how to create more conflict. And things like, you know, not making the protagonist too perfect, showing their struggle, showing their emotion, um, incorporating character flaws and you know, kind of intrinsic weaknesses into the character. And there's one last thing we haven't considered. How to know when to take feedback at face value or when to leave the feedback itself on the cutting room floor. I agreed with the majority of the changes that the editor recommended, um, and I really appreciated all of her advice. And there were a couple of areas where we didn't agree, and I decided to keep two big things in the novel that I thought were important. And, um, and you know, I think 
I think you just have to have kind of a healthy back and forth. And, and she was like, you know, it's your book, you know, you decide. Because uh, one thing I had in there was these friend resumes because I wanted to have a quick telegraphic way of uh, communicating the most important characteristics of, of, you know, certain characters. And she said, you know, that's a great, you know, it's a great concept. I've never seen that before. And she was like, you know, maybe you can use that for your website or something else. But I was like, I think it actually helps people understand the character quickly. So I like to keep those in. So I kept those in. And then I had my last, uh, actually my last scene in the book, I had a young girl. Um, well, basically um, the character Vivian is on an airplane and she happens to be sitting next to Hugh Jackman. And yet a young girl, a little girl who comes up and says, oh, may I have your autograph? And, and so Vivian, you know, passes the, the autograph pad to Hugh Jackman and he's fishing around for a pen and he signs it and he hands it back and the girl is just standing there and she says, oh, actually, you know, Miss Lee, I wanted to get your autograph because I understand you're, you know, the first time CEO of this sports company and I want to run my own business someday. And so my editor said, you know, I don't know if you really need that. It's not really that necessary. But all the people who have read my book said, you know, I thought that was such a great scene because it shows that the decisions that she makes don't only affect her own career, they're impacting other women. And, um, and you know, a lot of the message about my book was women helping other women. So how do you distinguish as a writer? Like, what is something that, like, maybe I'm attached to this for some reason, but the editor's probably right, it needs to go versus like, no, this is really crucial to the story and I want to keep this in no matter what the feedback is to it. I think it's, you know, I think it's a dialogue you have to have with the editor. I mean, I think one of the most difficult things for a writer is, you know, you write a great, you write a great scene or, you know, a great segment of the story and you're just, you know, you're like, this is, I love this. And then, you know, the editor's like, just get rid of that. <laughs> But, you know, I had to step back and say, does it really advance the story? Does it add anything? Does it add another dimension? You know, are you um, learning anything new about the character in this? And, um, and you know, if it doesn't kind of fulfill those requirements and the editor is saying it's kind of just adding extra noise and you, you've got to part with it. I think the most difficult thing about the editing process is getting rid of stuff that you are wedded to as a writer. And you just have to say, you know, it's, it's not essential to the story. But at the end of the day, to hear Shaz tell it, one thing enhanced her editing experience more than anything else. It was, you know, it was quite a collaborative process and quite a teaching process. And in that collaboration, in finding someone who you feel comfortable handing your creative control off to, that is where the editing process shines you know, you're, this is your baby and this is something you spent so much time creating. And I, I think, you know, they just have, people have to be prepared for feedback on all of the things that you did wrong. And, um, you know, it can be difficult, but I would not have been able to bring my novel to life without the help of, of the editor who helped me. So I'm extremely grateful to her. How long did it end up being? The total page count, uh, I think it was 465. How did you know when your final draft was done? And then by extension, how did you transition from the editing process into the publishing process? I restructured the story. I tightened up a lot of things, you know, and um, then I also had some beta readers. I, I shared the book with some other female executives and I just said, you know, would you mind reading this? I know it's long, but, you know, it sounded like, you know, the story was moving quickly for them. So I felt like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to, to get it published. Oh yeah. There's one more thing Shaz learned from her editor that we forgot to mention. 
uh, a couple of things um, that I learned also were ending each chapter with kind of a cliffhanger. Just like we're going to do with this one. Brought to you by Readsy, this is Best Seller. Over the course of this season, we'll follow an indie author's journey from start to finish in five chapters, exploring each step it takes to turn a collection of ideas in your head into a published book. Next up is chapter three, Deal or No Deal. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating, a review, a subscription, or all of the above on iTunes, Stitcher, or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you are in that 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts protection and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelance editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com slash loves slash podcast to get $25 credit when you sign up and set a contract. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com slash L-O-V-E-S slash podcast to get $25 off your first collaboration today. Offer valid through January 2019.